the second day. We were there because it had been down for maintenance, but we didn't even think it would happen at all because it was listed as being closed from the very time we walked into the park. Like, it's just not going to happen. So when we heard it's happening, see ya, we were on. Like, that was probably the time where it was kind of like one of those cartoon moments where you're left in a puff of dust and they're gone. Wild West Falls, the big log ride one, was a little bit different. After working out who wanted to actually give it a go, because it's mostly a lazy river type ride, you're kind of floating around on this little thing, log, apart from two thrill sections, unless you count going up a big hill, a thrill section. There's a backwards drop that happens in the dark, which is just a bit, you know, fun. And then the final drop, which is bigger than I even remembered it. So when I talked about the Maya Center, yeah, when the doors open up, the barn doors at the top and you're in the dark and it opens up and you've been turned around to what's coming, it's like, oh, whoops, my kids are on this. Um, And you have this moment of going, am I a good parent? Probably not. Um, They joined us and all you have across you although we drive in cars with only a seatbelt, was this lap bar. And you get to hold on to something in front if you want to or put your hands up. But that's all you have going across you, holding you in. And the knowledge that you're going to get wet at the bottom doesn't help some people as well. Anyway, we get into the line on the first day as a group, a whole group, all eight of us, and we wait. And we wait. And we wait. And this ride is notorious for, and we wait. And I think we had waited for at least, and this isn't uncommon, but at least an hour for a ride, actually, out of the scope of rides that probably last one of the longest because of the little lazy rivery type stuff. But it lasts for about six minutes in total. And when we were told the ride was down for maintenance, we're in this line, we've waited, we've got out of the inside bit to this outside bit before you go back inside in the waiting line. Sorry, ride's down for maintenance. It's like, you've got to be kidding me. Something wasn't working right. This massive line of people were sold. Sorry, maybe another time. And they shut the ride down. Day one, done. It's not happening today. What a waste of time. So we came back for take two. Second time at the park. I I believe I'm remembering this correctly, right? You can fill me in if I'm not. We were determined to wait out whatever happened. And again, we waited. This time we waited and we tried to get there early. But lunchtime came and passed. But we kept waiting. Thank goodness you could bring a bag with you on this ride because it actually held everything that we needed for the day to get through this moment of waiting. And with Brody and Amelia waiting with us as well, going past lunchtime, I don't mind food as well, so we're past lunchtime. You can imagine what the stomach's doing. It's probably louder than the music that was playing. We at least had prepared snacks and water and things like that for the day. And these definitely came in handy as whilst we waited, the ride still went down a couple of times. They're just like, bear with us. We're just trying to get it back up and running. So all these people are just waiting. But we had those snacks. We had the ride music playing. I still remember it. It's going forever in my head. Stuck in our heads. We had the water, though. And eventually the waiting paid off. No? Okay, no, yeah, whatever. Like, we got on the ride. We went up the lift hills. We floated down the lazy river. We were thrown backwards down a dip in the dark and then the barn doors opened up, looking out over the whole area. The kids started to freak out. I started to go, what have I done with my life? And we shot down the final ramp into the water, just getting soaked. And then at the end, we smiled and laughed and had a great time, right? A little bit. But they enjoyed it. Would you do it again? Maybe. See, there's a maybe. It's good. 
Now, that photo was at the tipping point, like where you're just coming out into seeing the park before you in the tipping point, before the drop. And I'm not sure all of our faces highlight the joy in that moment, and I'm probably specifically talking about myself because it looks like I'm freaking out. But there was joy in that moment. But we would all agree that it was a thrill and that we were super happy to not be waiting anymore. Right? We're on that ride going, thank goodness that's done. We're on it. Until the next ride anyway, for a little bit of time. But waiting is just something that we just have to do in life. But being prepared is really becomes a choice. And no matter, no wonder that one of our spiritual fruits is that of patience. But even these days, people are finding loopholes to this because, did you know, you can actually hire professional line waiters. I don't mean like people who wait on you in a you know, restaurant, but someone who will wait for you in a line at cost to you so you don't have to do it. And they'll just like send you a text message or just do the whole process for you. Uh, so that you can just walk on up at the time when it's ready and not have wasted all your time. Careful on that idea of wasting time. They will do the waiting for you. People who wait in line for you so you don't have to do it. They want, you may want the latest thing, so they will pay someone to wait in that line after already spending maybe even the money on that whole process, but not taking in that whole process just to avoid the need to be patient. It's crazy what money can actually do for us these days, and that's why it can be such a trap as well. Because in this example, it can even buy you the opportunity to be lazy, to not put the work in to truly understand the reward. So today, we're going to have a look at Matthew 25. We'll get that up, Ash, starting at verse 1. So let's have a read here. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. However, the wise ones took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied. There may not be enough for both of us and you, for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. Uh oh. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said. Open the door for us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. Now, this parable of the ten virgin, virgins, I always go to the virgins, tongue, told my, by Jesus himself to his disciples is just another teaching tool to grow his disciples. But again, it goes to show us how to live our lives in readiness for Christ. Because the thing is, readiness should actually become a now thing, right? This whole construct of Christ coming soon, this idea of soon, shouldn't concern us personally. 
we should be in a point where it shouldn't concern us, hear me out, because I know I saw a look up like, what are you talking about? If we are eagerly working on our personal relationship with Christ, being prepared now, we can take away that anxiety. Past this though, if we are preparing ourselves in wait for the Lord, whatever that looks like, we will also be so prepared that then our urgency over his coming will extend to sharing this news with others. That will be our urgency. Our 10 virgins offer us a personal choice. Which of the five are we going to follow? We're focusing on ourselves today because it all starts right there. It has to start with us, otherwise the rest just doesn't work. Because we can't impact a world for Christ if we haven't even allowed him to impact our own lives. So what can we take? What conclusions can we come to from this parable about how we should live remembering this is just one of Christ's parables? This is one learning. And first, what doesn't it mean to wait on the Lord when we look at this story? It doesn't mean living in a state of earthly fear or anxiety. Because living in fear and anxiety under a constant state of alertness, it's not healthy for us. You go to any practitioner these days, they say, dude, deal with your stress. It's not good for us. Verse 5, we see that all the bridesmaids even fell asleep when waiting. And this isn't shunned. They fell asleep. They're, they're human. We, we need rest. That's another biblical fact. We need rest. But to wait on the Lord shouldn't include this worldly concept of fear, as the world knows it, or anxiety over the coming. Because if we're worried about this, then what are we actually then putting in place over our lives to eradicate that fear and anxiety, right? It shouldn't include that. It doesn't mean being the goal. Like the 10 ladies didn't come to make the celebration that was to come what it was. They were simply invited to experience the joy that awaited them. They knew the goal. The goal wasn't them. It wasn't about them. They knew what they were going towards. The bridesmaids who got into the party played no part in setting up the celebration that awaited them. They just brought themselves for the invitation that was extended to them. It also doesn't mean living a life of laziness, as we talked about just briefly before. Simply waiting patiently without grumbling isn't enough. This parable doesn't talk about attitudes specifically, but if we're looking for a loophole, here we go, those loopholes, but if we're looking for a loophole to relationship with Jesus that allows us to be lazy, then take this one section of scripture and go ahead and wrongly assume that laziness is okay when waiting on Jesus. Would I encourage that? No, I hope you didn't hear that at all, right? Scripture is a complete work that tells us something completely different about how we should live out our faith. And it certainly isn't about living a life of laziness. It isn't about being lazy or complacent. It also doesn't focus on getting. The ladies waited in hope of the eventual arrival of the bridegroom, not for anything else. We should have hope that stimulates our response, not just a response that drives action based on what we could selfishly get, from any relationship. The relationship is a mutual coming together. Lastly, our efforts in waiting aren't based on knowledge alone. Okay? Simply understanding that Christ is the bridegroom. Because 
when we read the story back, even these foolish virgins identified the bridegroom. They said, Lord, Lord. But they weren't recognized because of their own actions when they called out to who they knew they were there for originally. They still said, Lord, Lord. But it was their actions that rendered them unrecognizable in that moment. Self-confessed knowledge, the ideas of like people saying, uh, what do you believe in? Who are you? And people would say, I'm a Christian. Or, yeah, I know Jesus. I gave my life to the Lord when I was a child. Yeah, I've been through like the whole process of how it comes to like being where I am today. Doesn't hold the answer in just knowing of Jesus if our life doesn't reflect that within us and outwardly from us. So now that's all the stuff that it doesn't mean, right? From the story. So what does it mean to act like the wise virgins rather than the foolish ones in this story? And it comes down to one thing. It comes down to this one thing called preparation. The only difference in this story is five were prepared, five weren't. If we're prepared, we can actually stop assuming that we have enough faith, enough love, even knowledge, etc., in our lamps, figuratively speaking, in any moment and actually begin living in a way that acknowledges the need and seeks the opportunity to grow deeper in that same faith, love, hope, knowledge, all those things. Preparation takes effort. This call to preparedness isn't a drive to anxiety. It actually shifts us out of anxiety and by being prepared, it puts us into a space of being intentional. It goes away from anxiety, but to intentionality. And if we are prepared as Christ followers, there are some assurances that then go along with that within Scripture for us today. So as I was going through the commentaries in preparation today, the amount of Scripture that drew on sharing with us what preparedness looks like for us was astounding. And so we're going to have a little dip through the Bible, which why not? We won't fear death anymore. In fact, we should welcome death because we'll be with our Father. Amen? And so from Philippians 1, verse 21 to 23, Philippians 1, 21 to 23, got that. For to me, living is Christ and dying is gain. Could it be put any clearer? Now, if I am to go on living in the body, this will mean productive work for me, yet I don't know which I prefer. I feel torn between the two because I have a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. Living with Christ now and the joy of that, but then this tear towards being with him eternally. Number two, we will, and I'll probably forget what number I'm up to. We will, as Christ followers, have a hunger for God's word. When we follow anyone or anything, it always comes with listening to instructions, right? There's always a sense of when we follow someone, we've listened to a sense of instruction. And our instructions are right there in our Bibles. Read them. Inspired by God. Our Bibles, inspired by God, offer us the instructions. And from 1 Peter verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 1 to 3, it says, so get rid of all evil and all deceit and hypocrisy, a word we talked on last week, and envy and all slander, and yearn like newborn infants for pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up to salvation, being saved, if you have experienced the Lord's kindness. Amen. Number three, I'll keep my fingers out so I remember. We will see spiritual truths 
truths that we may have been blind to as unbelievers. And this is speaking about being able to discern things that are of God or that are not. And so from 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14 to 16, because when the answers come from Scripture, we know they're good and true, right? The unbeliever does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolish to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The one who is spiritual discerns all things, yet he himself is understood by no one because there's a difference between the two when we walk with Christ. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to advise him? But we have the mind of Christ. Number four, look at my hand. We will have the internal witness of the Spirit within each of us. We'll have the ability to share the good news with others through our relationship with the Spirit within us. When someone says, what's your deal? Why are you smiling? Something bad happened to you, but yet you're able to carry on. Can we actually articulate what that is for us? If we can't do that, then we've still got work to do. We want to be drawing people, using those opportunities to draw people towards Christ that we know and love. And so from Romans 8, verse 14 to 17, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons and daughters of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery leading again to fear. We did not receive that. But we received the spirit of adoption. How beautiful is adoption? Just listen to that as God adopting us. We have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness to our spirit that we are God's children. And if children then heirs. If we are children of God, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and also fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, so we may also be glorified with him. Five? Yeah, cool. Thanks. And I think then there's six. We will have a desire to know Christ more intimately. Yeah? We need to listen to, I think we float over words sometimes and don't give them their full effect, but they're used deliberately, intimately. So for Philippians 3 verses 8 to 10, we will have a desire to know Christ more intimately. More than that, I now regard all things as liabilities compared to the far greater value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. Here it is. Indeed, I regard them as dung, that I may gain Christ. They are considered dung compared to Christ. The things that the world is trying to make look pretty. It's like called painting a pig. Unless it's of Christ, that's all we're doing. And be found in him. Not because I have my own righteousness derived from the law, but because I have the righteousness that comes by way of Christ's faithfulness. A righteousness from God that is in fact based on Christ's faithfulness. My aim is to know him, to experience the power of his resurrection, to share in his sufferings and to be like him in his death. It's not going to be peachy, but at least it's not dung, right? Amen to that. Number six. We as Christians should be happy to leave this life behind. It sounds the same as one of the other ones. But, and yearn for the day when Christ returns. Hebrews 11, verse 13 to 16. These all died in faith, 
without receiving the things promised. But they saw them in the distance and welcomed them and acknowledged that they were strangers and foreigners on the earth. For those who speak in such a way make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. Are we speaking of what we believe our home to truly be? Where is our homeland? For me, it's not Burton. It's the kingdom of God. In fact, if they had been thinking of the land that they had left, we're talking about the Israelites maybe saying, oh, Egypt was the better place. They were in slavery. They would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they aspire to a better land. Do we aspire to a better land? That is, and this is their words now, the Bible's words, but as it is, they aspire to a better land that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Even God goes before us and prepares us away. So whilst we're all in this state of waiting, how prepared are we? Because it's very different to having some snacks and water in a bag, waiting a couple of hours for a six-minute water ride. What does our spiritual life preparation actually look like? Now, in this story that we read today from Matthew 25, the oil represents faith. It represents good works. It represents spiritual practices. It also represents our very inner spiritual reserves. Just imagine like a fuel gauge of where it's at. Where's our spiritual reserves at? But the oil represents a spiritual, inner spiritual reserve that is constant, so constant that it becomes overwhelmingly evident and noticed at any time. It's effective. The oil brings about effect. Within this parable, the oil can't be shared. But whilst this seems unreasonable, if we just read it and go, oh, that's not very nice, they should have like chipped in and let them have some party time. Hear the meaning behind this. Whilst this seems unreasonable, it is serving as a metaphor that highlights the need for our own level of preparedness. The oil was sought after by the ladies, these foolish ladies, who didn't bring enough, who weren't prepared for the moment when they needed it. Because the light it produced granted them the opportunity to connect further with the bridegroom and the celebration that awaited them. Because the reality is in this, the light from someone else can be extremely infectious. I'm sure we've all met those people that they just want to be around more and more because they just bring this infectious energy about them, hopefully a good energy. I can think of people who just have this buzz and again, this energy about them and that energy even lifts me for a time. But personally, it doesn't last. If I actually want that for myself, I need to start preparing my life to produce that fruit of joy. Because we cannot borrow or piggyback off someone else. You can't just sit on the coattails of someone else's faith. Or from their intentional steps, you can't just go, oh yeah, cool, yeah, that, yeah, I'll take that on. You can't just take that on from their personal life. It is an individual thing. We can be encouraged and that's bless that moment of being encouraged by someone else's walk with Christ. But for that to transfer to individual change, we need to accept first and then prepare ourselves. Then really the waiting won't matter because what we will be doing is seizing the opportunity to share what we know with others because we're in this constant state of preparedness. 
near the beginning of the Sermon of the Mount where Christ did one of his massive talks. Jesus instructs, and this is in Matthew, earlier in Matthew, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven because it's about him. We don't worship to look good. We don't play in a band to perform. It's a heart thing. We, we worship first, all pointing towards Christ, being Christ-focused, being Christ-centered people. And at the end of that same sermon, Jesus reminds everyone, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. The bridesmaids all had have equal opportunity, right? There was no distinguishing them one from the other initially. It's hindsight that distinguished them as wise or foolish. Rather, it is their own preparedness that eventually set them apart. Because even the foolish bridesmaids, as we said before, stated in verse 11, Lord, Lord, showing that they actually knew of the bridegroom. Oh yeah, I've heard about Jesus. Because that's who we're talking about here. The bridegroom is Christ. Oh yeah, I know about Christ. Yeah, I've heard that word before. But their preparedness, even people who blaspheme know the name of Christ. Doesn't mean they know Christ, right? But their preparedness came after the fact reactively, because I think in this moment they're seeing what they were missing out on, what they hadn't been prepared for. So they were reactive, not proactive. They weren't prepared and the result of that choice to know of and not live for Christ. Being prepared and in relationship with Christ was that they actually missed the boat. Their relationship with Christ saw them as unrecognisable. The focus for this parable can be shifted to the waiting. But in fact, our spiritual lives need to focus on the importance of being prepared. However, in the waiting, it doesn't mean sitting around. One of the things that wasn't was laziness, right? We can wait for things and still be active within the waiting. In fact, we need to be. Our preparedness requires action, not simply reaction. We need to proactively be waiting because and I'll put this in inverted commas, what if the coming of the Lord for somebody else looks like their first encounter with you or me? What if this idea of the coming of the Lord looks like that first encounter with you or me? We've been saying, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I know Jesus. They meet you. They know that of you. And we're not shining that light. How are we shining the light for Christ to be shown to others? Because it's a very heavy thing to consider. But if we're prepared, then we will always be stocked with oil to always shine that light out, right? If we are prepared, we will be the light of Christ that somebody, that somebody could be, could be needing in any given moment. In an experience like last night where we had a number of community members that even dear friend Barry here goes I don't know a lot of these people it's like what a blessed opportunity then hey Barry what a blessed opportunity to be the light of Christ to other people in a church building where a young lady girl came up to me and said why have you turned your church into a movie cinema it's like because we can do lots of different ways of being the church to people that's an opportunity for witness and that little girl goes cool I didn't know church could do that 
Why not? The ladies who reacted found themselves looking for this, figuratively speaking, 24-7 quickie mart that sold oil because through their lack of preparedness, they didn't have enough. They weren't ready. They missed out. They missed out on their opportunity. They were reactive. They weren't proactive. They didn't care enough until it was too late. There's no shortcuts to knowing and walking with God. You either do or you don't. Simple as that. Relationships take effort. I know I've said that before. Christ wants our effort and we put effort into things that mean something to us. We wait in lines to make sure we don't miss out. So we need to take the necessary preparations over our spiritual lives as well. I've seen the lines at Audi in the morning for a special buy. We'll wait for that by being prepared. Why not for Christ? Prayer, reading and taking learnings from Scripture, but also passionately participating in a faith community that looks to bring about the kingdom of God. They're the opportunities where you bring your preparedness through the prayer and the Bible reading and and have those opportunities to be at a movie night and have a young girl come up to you and say, what does church look like? This is different. Being generous with what God has provided to us. Giving back to what God is doing in a space, not because of us, but because of Him. Because it will be the difference between knowing Christ, knowing Christ, oh, that's Aaron, and knowing of Christ, I know Aaron. There's a big difference. You have to consider for yourself this morning whether you're prepared. We all do. Because we need to be a church full of people that are prepared. Because preparing is an ongoing thing. So we ask, are you ready for the opportunities that Christ will present to you? Because they can be as innocuous as a little girl. Asking a question at a movie night. It can be in response to basically anything. Why are you smiling when something bad happened? How prepared are we today? I want to ask each and every one of us to prayerfully consider and actually commit to being prepared today. Because let's make our waiting involve action and our preparation be a source that lights a fire for others to see and experience. Because we are in the back end of Matthew now, I believe it's chapter 28, but you'll know what I'm talking about, the Great Commission We are a sent people. We're not a sit down on your bum people. We are a sent people. So let's be prepared daily for those sent opportunities, for what and who we are sent for, because it's for Christ. And it's not a selfish thing. Christ isn't just for you. Yes, he is for each and every one of us. Don't get that wrong. But he is for the world. And if we know him and if we have prepared ourselves in that way of knowing him and we keep putting ourselves in that position to know him more, then we will want everyone to know him as well. We want to see other people come to know him too. In the moment, the words of a song are going to play. It says, even so come. I just really want us to take ourselves into that place of committing to prayer and preparedness today for those opportunities that will come. 
Because if we're preparing ourselves, Christ will use us. So if you feel like you may not be being used, then maybe ask yourself, am I putting myself forward for Christ to use me? Have I suited up? Have I put the uniform on and are I ready for coach to inject me into the game? I've gone to a sports analogy, that's Aaron. But it makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. You can't be at home and be called into the game. Are we prepared today?